Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933. Online at mypremierortho.com. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to uh, talk about home births and midwives. A study conducted by the Center for Disease Control or Disease and Prevention shows that from 2004 to 2008, the number of home births increased by 20%. And now more than ever, women are hiring midwives for constant care during their pregnancy rather than seeking out a doctor's consultation. We're going to talk about those topics in more detail with three guests, Molly Mendota, who's a birth assistant and certified doula, Mary Helen Ayers, a home birth midwife, and Dr. John Laban, women's health OBGYN physician. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. Or you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition, to join the conversation there. Well, welcome to everybody. Thanks for being here. Hi, Bob. Thank Thank you for having us. Yeah, sure. It's a a big topic. We've had it before. Mary Helen's been here before. Mm -hmm. And we've (laughs) talked about home births and and midwifery. Um, To what can you sort of attribute this rise in home births that uh, I cited in the the beginning? I think a couple of things are going on. I mean, one is the rising cesarean section rate in the hospitals, um, which isn't reflected. I don't even know how that's reflected locally. I have a sense of it in Dr. Laban's practice where we value the fact that it's a lot lower for his particular practice. But the American rate overall is rising. There's that on the one hand. And then there's been some real positive media about home birth in the last few years. And I think that that's attracted people. Uh, you know, it. In Indiana, it's really word of mouth. I was just going to say, I think it's word of mouth it's, as much as anything. I mean, you know, when your friend mm-hmm. has a baby, if if she uses a doula mm-hmm. or you know has help and recommends it, you do it. I mean, that's how you parent. You mm-hmm. say what, is, what what works for other <laughs> right. people, I mean, and you yeah. know, it starts with birth. Good experiences give rise to more good experiences, mm-hmm. and so people who've had a, a home birth that they really love are pretty enthusiastic about it. And mm-hmm. often, the phone calls that I first get are from someone who doesn't know me, but they know a client of mine, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. where it starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Dr. Laban, can you? you uh, explain it from your point of view and from a physician's point of view? Um, from my point of view, I've, I've, I, t- I tell my patients that uh, uh, the traditional way, I guess, is not the only way. Uh, I tell them, and uh, Marianne always laughs about it, if I would be pregnant, <laughs> I would like to have my uh, hospital birth and my epidural, but my way is not the only way. <laughs> we cannot close our eyes. And it's happening. So the best way to do it is to do it like uh, the title of Mary Helen's paper says, Planned Home Birth. So this is what you do. We, I, I like to see these patients, or I guess pregnant women, must say. A uh, few times during their pregnancy, make sure everything is okay. I trust uh, the midwives I work with. Uh, if there's any problem, any issue that they need to see a physician, they uh, uh, they see me, extra visits, and then we we hope for uh, for the best and for a safe uh, delivery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, Molly, in how long have you been a doula? About eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. So have you seen changes over this time? I mean, again, have you seen more that's people going question. to home birth? Um, I, that's hard to answer. I've certainly been going to more home births, and that could also be a word of mouth thing because mm-hmm. my clients will tell their friends. To, yeah. you know. mm-hmm. um, I would love to know local statistics, and I don't think we have those, about whether they are increasing. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to tell because all of us who are based in Bloomington, and there are four of us, all work at a distance because our state does not have enough midwives. Bloomington has plenty of midwives, but all of us, you know, our, our, all of us have Indianapolis area clients, Columbus area clients, Southern Indiana area clients. We all work with the Amish, um, some of us very extensively. And so it's, it's, it's a little hard. To, we're busy. You mm-hmm. know, we're busy. It, it ebbs and flows, but we're busy. I feel like the economy is actually 
suppressing it a little bit at the moment, I would say. But in general, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a rise. So why well, do you think – yeah, why would the economy be suppressing it? Home births is not expensive, but it is generally an out-of-pocket expense. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It is sometimes covered by insurance. Um, it is never known for sure if it will be covered by insurance mm-hmm. until after the birth. So parents have to make a decision to allocate that money. Mm-hmm. So you can accept insurance? No, I don't have anything to do with insurance personally. <laughs> can't blame you However, there. Okay. Parents can be reimbursed. Parents can be reimbursed. They can file a claim and be reimbursed. What, how much does it cost, the typical if, – if, let's say you start with a woman at the fairly beginning of her pregnancy and you work with her throughout and then you're, you participate in the home birth. Um, you know, home birth fees, I, I think my peers, we don't – I haven't talked about it with anybody in detail lately, but I think we all have – our rates are roughly similar and, you know, it, uh, fees are hovering around $2,000 for mm-hmm. a full package of prenatal care, six weeks of postpartum care attendance at the birth, and they have a couple of satellite expenses, and they have some expenses associated with, you know, their medical backup, and they, mm-hmm. they you know, they have to buy a birth kit, they pay for a lab, some lab work after their birth for their baby, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's affordable. Mm-hmm. Especially when there are no hospitals charges incurred, mm-hmm. which is really mm-hmm. the big bulk yeah. mm-hmm. uh, of the charges. Now, I remember uh, when my son was born, he was whisked away and things were done. Who takes care of those things um, in a home birth? Um, the, the mother of the baby to uh, the greatest extent possible to whatever extent she wants and then we follow up with that I, follow, I do well baby care for six weeks and in the immediate aftermath of the birth you know, the first hour to two are going to be spent with baby in mom's arms we can monitor the baby's well-being right there and then when it's time for a bit more, I'll do a real careful newborn exam, but usually in, I usually climb into bed with them. Are you talking about if there's a problem with the baby? No. Are you talking about standard right. standard yeah. care yeah, for the baby? Yeah, just the regular stuff. You know, the, Most of the regular stuff isn't really necessary. We don't bathe babies. They're mm-hmm. clean. We wipe them down a little bit. But I'm the longer I practice, I've always been this way, but the longer I practice, the less I try to do. Mm-hmm. You want to interfere as little as possible. There are super important things going on between babies and their mothers, babies and their fathers, babies and their families. And as long as you have a healthy, breathing infant, then anything that we'd like to do in the way of bathing or examining or procedures, it needs to wait. It really needs to wait. And so and so it does. Mm-hmm. All right. We have our first phone call already. Let's uh, go with Toby. <laughs> Toby's on the phone. Hi, my name's Toby. I'm a parent of a home birth child, and I'm also the son of a midwife who's been a colleague of Mary for years and been practicing in the state of Indiana for years. I would like to just make a comment about the state of Indiana needing to certify professional midwives through licensing. That way it can open up the door uh, for more midwives to work within the state and clear out some of the legal problems that may come with hiring midwives. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, Toby. Uh, How often, I mean, this, this seems like this issue comes before the legislature uh, and has every year for many years. Mm-hmm. To- Toby knows about this really well because his mother has given, you know, on countless hours. She, among all of us, has worked by far the hardest to work with the General Assembly. And there's there, stuff's happening. We are we are making really slow progress. We began our legislative effort began the same year. My apprenticeship, you know, segued into my practice. And if you had told us then that it was going to be you know, 16, 17 years and we'd still be working on legislation, I think we all would have quit right then. But we're getting closer every year. And um, Well, I think the more people who use it, then you're going to have a larger base of people who then will c- contact their legislator and say, hey, this is something that's a good thing for people. Exactly. There's a large grassroots effort in the state. And also other states are, are moving. 27 states uh, now license certified professional midwives as the primary home birth attendants. And some of them ha- require other things as well. And in our state, we're open to that as well. But negotiations have been going on for quite a while. And I think we're, we're moving along. If, if the General Assembly can function as a legislative body, they had a hard time last year getting along <laughs> and getting much done. But hopefully it'll be different this year because we've, we've, we've worked hard to make some friends there. And, and I think we've slowly but surely gained some, some real serious respect from important people. We're excited. So ex- explain to me a little bit better how, why it's necessary to be certified. I mean, what happens now? What can't you do now that you would be able to do if the legislature passes a certification? Practice legally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I, it won't. The way I practice, the way I practice, I'm not expecting to change. And in fact, with the leadership of Toby's mom and, and a small group of professionally practicing midwives in the state, the Indiana Midwives Association has led led us through professional practice, and we've just kind of done it on our own. 
women who go into midwifery are really passionate about giving excellent care and having excellent outcomes. And so we've defined ourselves as professionals without any top-down controls from the legislature. We, bef- you know, we were already conducting peer reviews. We were already providing for continuing education for ourselves. So essentially everything we're doing we expect will be ongoing, slightly more formalized. But um, I, don't think any- I don't think anything's going to suffer in terms of client care. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of um, bureaucratization of our mm-hmm. practice. We're, we're, our fees will, might go up a little bit because we're going to have licensing fees, but that's, mm-hmm. that should be okay. I, th- I, th- I would like to add uh, to what Mary Helen said, that it will be – um, and some more doctors will kind of follow my suit, and then they will feel legally safer to be backup for uh, home birth patients. Mm-hmm. Um, having that the law is on their side, I feel like my role is really very important. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've been here ten years, and I've um, I've really developed a very strong relationship with the home birth patients. Who um, they they love the fact I'm I'm there for them if they need me. Um, I tell them you can decide whatever you want. I'm like your garden angel. You come to me if you need me. Uh, otherwise, you're I guess you're blessed by having your own uh, midwives. Mm-hmm. But um, and I feel my my role has been very important in people who've had high blood pressure or babies not moving. If I can imagine, if I'm not there for them, mm-hmm. they're gonna wait longer to go to like to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a few days, and that might be definitely affect uh, them or the baby. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about my role to be a backup for them. Doctor, do you think more physicians are going to start taking your point of view, which is, you know, let's do this as a team, and I'm here if you need me, but otherwise the midwives can do kind of carry the load for the most part? I think the, when it becomes one day legal, I think, yeah, doctors would be more... Uh, up to take, you know, backup for these patients. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just the the, the kind of uh, fear of being liable, held liable uh, because they aren't legal yet. Well, that's one. And then, of course, there will be other physicians who will be against this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there, there are quite a bit who are against home birth. Um, I'm, I'm fairly neutral, like I said before, but I would like to be helpful for these patients, uh, for them and for their baby to have a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So as a backup, are you actually there or are you no, on no, the phone? No, I'm not there. Ready? I'm, you're, I'm, they, you're my patients, uh, they, uh, they sign a home birth agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're supposed to see me three times during pregnancy, early at 28 weeks and at 36 weeks. Uh, and, of course, um, any other times if, if the need arises and if they go post-date, they would like to see them, make sure that the baby is still okay. Um, so we develop a, a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We're really lucky to have that in Bloomington. It's unique in the state, mm-hmm. partly because there's not licensure and doctors are afraid of making that commitment. And that really is not safe for women when we don't have that because then there's no continuity for women who do have to transfer to medical care. Mm-hmm. The midwife doesn't have a relationship <laughs> with the doctor in other places in the state. Women just have to show up at the hospital and get what they get. And there's no communication about what's gone on so mm-hmm. far and it, it can be dangerous so mm-hmm. and I'm and I came up with this way I mean I could have uh, known other physicians who were back up but then uh, patients had to sign a basically a paper like uh, it's it's not legal that I mean you're having a home birth it's you should deliver at the hospital but then that's so like this the physician will be not liable mm-hmm. Uh, I opted to be more involved in the patient care. Uh, I feel like I feel better by me knowing uh, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years, I mean, initially it was when I was new in Bloomington. It took some time for uh, patients to get used to me, and then uh, with the help of the midwives, uh, who I guess spoke. I guess positive stuff about me. <laughs> we're, we're big and then, <laughs> like, This is true. And then, you know, word of mouth is for everything. And yeah. then so yes. people will tell other people, I guess, mm-hmm. he's a nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But so it's, it's working. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but um, on, on another uh, point, though, I would like to mention something that you said about they whisked your baby away. I would like to say, to, I have to be fair, to Bloomington Hospital, yes. we're mm-hmm. blessed with a yes, great hospital. Yeah. Yeah. We really are. Oh, it wasn't a bad experience. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I, just I know, but I want to tell you, we have a very special hospital here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe because uh, we live in Bloomington, maybe because of the home births who kind of mellowed out the way we do things. <laughs> so, uh, and, and now we have, um, I tell my patients, we have at the hospital, like, it's, 
we, they treat patients the way we have, uh, you know, like uh, eggs. You can have them any way you want. You can have, uh, <laughs> like, my name is epidural or my name, I want to do much at all. And uh, people, they don't have to have an IV. They don't have to be... Uh, on the morning all the time, et cetera. And then they have usually their birth plan mm-hmm. that they come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to say Can, that. I'd like to jump on that, too, because I had I became a midwife for a lot of reasons, but definitely the main catalytic experience was having my daughter, Sarah, at Bloomington Hospital 20 years ago. And it wasn't a bad experience, but it was a really complicated one. And I've watched... Um, I've watched the hospital evolve mm-hmm. over 20 years, working as a doula, working as a home birth midwife, bringing in transports from time to time, meaning bringing in births where we need the things that you can only get in the hospital. That's mm-hmm. why we're there. And I have never had a bad experience. I've had nothing but really good experiences from physicians, from the nursing staff, from everybody. If there are negative attitudes about home birth, those people don't come in the patient's room. The people who come to care for our transports couldn't be kinder and um, the situation that we have in Bloomington with a doctor who is actually willing to work with home birth families and treat them with respect is absolutely unique. We're the envy of all of our peers throughout the state. Mm-hmm. There are great midwives with a lot of experience, great clinical knowledge, wonderful safe practitioners who are still having to walk their transports into the local hospital and walk in cold and accompany their their patients but and take whoever's there to greet them. and. That can be that can be a good experience, but it's gonna be, it's an unknown experience, and it adds oh. stress to an already and, yeah, stressful situation. Yeah, I think in a situation, yeah, like yeah. that, where you're already pretty much on a ten out of mm-hmm. one to ten yeah, on the stress, stress level. Yeah. You know, you do need as much comfort and as many friendly, yes. familiar faces as you can rally around you. And there are some of our clients, of course, who are they're they're nervous about the hospital, they're leery about the world of medicine. That's not everybody, but it's a lot of them. And when I first talked to them, I talked to them about medical backup. I talked to them about the option of using Dr. LeBon, everything in home birth is, not everything, but it is very choice-oriented. Mm-hmm. Everything, very much of what happens is ultimately comes down to a conscious choice on the part of the family. So I don't make them get back up, but I, I don't have problems um, persuading them gently mm-hmm. to go and see Dr. LeBon. They have a really good experience, and, and I think what helps is I tell them something that's just true when I first meet him, which is he has never... He has never let me down. He's never let me down. When I've called him to talk about a case, I've gotten him out of the grocery store with his family on a Sunday morning. He talks to me at 3 a.m. when I call his house, and he, he's great. And then he's patient with them at the hospital. He's really patient. Mm-hmm. Well, we should say he's helping his son move into IU, and he made his son come over here and sit in yesterday. He's just so, a good yeah. guy. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. Our phone number is again 855-0811-877-285-9348. org slash noon edition is the web address. Uh, we have a phone call, and it's Karen. Karen, go ahead. Yep. Hey, I would like to know, um, you talked about transports and having a backup physician. I'd like to know about the training um, of midwives and doulas when there is an immediate um, need that you don't, mm-hmm. you can't wait for an ambulance. Mm-hmm. You have a baby who's not breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I be very interested to know um, about your training for those um, really emergency unanticipated situations. Yeah, that's kind of the main. No, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the reason you would have a midwife at a birth is for those things. There's not a lot of focus on that prior to the need for those kinds of skills. We're focused on the normal. But if you were guaranteed a simple normal birth, you could do it with your intimates and not have anybody over there. But the reason you have hired help is you want somebody who is like me and like other certified professional midwives in the state, certified neonatal resuscitation, uh, there with equipment, um, anti-hemorrhagics to deal with the hemorrhage. We are pr- fully prepared to deal with the, the unforeseen that can come up suddenly. Karen's absolutely right. Anyone who's been around birth or you know knows that sometimes there's not a lot of chance to anticipate something, and you have to be prepared to act really quickly. But we are. We're prepared to deal with emergencies, and if they're dealt with thoroughly, then that's the end of the story. We're still at home or deal with something as we transition to to um, hospital care mm-hmm. when appropriate. I was really surprised. I have a daughter who's almost a year old who was born at home, and I was amazed at how many people during my pregnancy when I said I was having a home birth seemed to 
think that that meant that I was having no prenatal care and that I was just going to have somebody show up and light incense when I went into labor. <laughs> I mean, it was shocking to me. I, I had no idea. that. And so I want to say that to whoever's listening, that that there's actually incredible prenatal care with, with midwifery care. We, mm-hmm. have, we meet as frequently with midwives as a woman would with her obstetrician if she's planning a hospital birth. And um, but the the prenatals are generally at least an hour long, and it's I mean the whole all of the prenatal care is intended to for the midwife and mom to get to know each other, and then also to screen for situations where home birth would not be safe, and that's a big part of what midwives mm-hmm. do because mm-hmm. what they handle is low risk normal birth, and mm-hmm. and then same thing during the labor. I mean they're trained to make sure everything that is okay and then to handle situations when they're not and to transfer care when necessary. And mm-hmm. it's and I have to also add here that, I mean, it would be very unlikely for, for everything to be uh, perfect during labor and then for the baby to come out and not breathing like the, that person mentioned. Mm-hmm. So if you have somebody who's, uh, who's a good midwife, who's certified, they should most of the time be able to to tell if some a problem is going to happen mm-hmm. and this is when they call uh, the physician mm-hmm. and then that would be a probably a, a cue for a transport mm-hmm. 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 well molly i wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. your role as a birth assistant and certified mm-hmm. doula i mean mm-hmm. how's that differ from a midwife um a doula is a person who provides uh, physical and emotional labor support to women and their partners and um, without any of the clinical skills that midwives have. And mm-hmm. so in my role as a doula, um, the parents hire me and I attend their birth with them wherever it happens to be with whatever care provider they have. So I do mm-hmm. hospital births and home births as mm-hmm. a doula. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Okay, great. We've had a couple questions come in. Um, the first one is, uh, thank you for covering this incredibly important issue. Mary Helen, can you talk a bit about what it's like to live in Indiana as a midwife? How do you manage your personal life, family, kids, friends, et cetera, as a midwife? And that's a great question because yeah. I'm looking at the three of you and I'm thinking, these people have seen a lot of the middle of the night over the years. And we look great. Yeah. <laughs> you should 24/7. see us. 24-7. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, it's a good question because balance is different for a person who attends childbirth professionally. You're not going to be in control of your schedule. And and it's been some, you know, I when I first considered apprenticing, I talked to my husband about it. We had a small child and I had a support and that made a big difference. And he had an academic position that allowed him to be somewhat flexible in the care of our, da- our daughter. And uh, I've kind of made it up as I've gone along, but definitely with practice have learned that um, – you know, time off is important, but because, you know, because I'm on call, uh, there's never any guaranteed time off. And so I've learned to t- I take a whole month off or in recent years, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm a midwife who practices 10 months a year. So that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a short break, but let me remind you that you can join us on the phone, 855-0811, or toll-free, 1-877-285-WFIU. You can also join our live chat, and it's a pretty active live chat today at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Go there and chat with other people about this uh, important topic. And also, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, information at smithville.net, and from Premier Ortho, online at mypremierortho.com. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org.
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And our three guests today, Molly Mendota, who's a birth assistant and certified doula, Mary Helen Ayers, a home birth midwife, and Dr. John Laban, women's health OBGYN physician. If you want to join us on the program, phone us at 855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. Or you can join the live chat, the active live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And besides that, there's always Twitter at noon edition. So uh, you have another email? I do. Um, it's just very simple but a great question. What draws clients to home birth? Maybe Molly should answer that since yeah, she's had one. <laughs> well, I think I'm I'm unique because I had been to about 150 births before my own. <laughs> so, um, I for me, I actually um, w- was always interested in home birth. When I was seven, my mom went to a friend's home birth, and I, you know, thought that was a good idea. And so, <laughs> um, and then having been at about 100 hospital births and about 50 home births, I f- felt like where I wanted to be to have the kind of birth that I wanted to have was in my home. I would feel the safest there. And in order to really labor well, women need to feel safe. And what that's going to mean is going to mean different things to every woman. And um, so I think there are women like me who want to be in their own homes. And then I think there are also women who are choosing home birth because they want a certain kind of birth and they feel like they can't get it at the hospital. So it's not so much that they're choosing the location of their own home, but choosing the kind of birth they want and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. what's going to get them that is to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. All right. We have another question that's come in from John. What percent of midwives are men? And he wants to know if they're called mid-husbands. Well, John, <laughs> I've never met one. I know there are some male certified nurse midwives around, but I couldn't comment to actual statistics. I'm sure it's Small. in the low, low, low single digits. But there is there are male nurse midwives. And they're not called mid-husbands. And they're no. not called mid-husbands. <laughs> okay. They used to be called the, the, earliest, the earliest physicians attending birth were called male midwives. Huh? But the, we're talking, you know, we're talking 17th, 18th century. But you know. Midwife means with woman. Yeah. So whatever sex oh, okay. you are, you, you are <laughs> with woman. Okay. okay. That's interesting. And there's a second question from John. Is the first birth more stressful? <laughs> for <whom? laughs> for, kinda, yeah, a, a little bit for everybody. For maybe. everybody, yeah. <laughs> first births, you know, the body's learning to do it the first time it does it, and that usually is going to take longer mm-hmm. than it's going to take in subsequent births mm-hmm. for the given woman. But individual experience kind of trumps everything. And longer know? is not necessarily more stressful. Short can be extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and second births can be stressful because... You think you know what your body does in labor, and then it does something different. <laughs> <laughs> the unknown, the unknown is stressful, and getting getting comfortable with the what we don't know mm-hmm. is an important part of getting ready for a birth, and getting a little less attached to when and how long mm-hmm. and all of that. Which in our society, we're used to having everything scheduled down to the minute, and things are predictable. And birth's not predictable. It's yeah. it's got a basic familiar shape, but there are a lot of possible variations, most of which are also normal. But you've got to be okay, and you've got to really develop some skill in being in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, anybody in life, right? But mm-hmm. but in birth, that's very helpful. And the same applies to hospital birth mm-hmm. patients too. Mm-hmm. I mean, first birth. I mean, like you said, yeah. It, it, people don't know what to expect sometimes, and usually, and b- babies, um, they they take more time to come out. I guess they're like. Opening the passage, and usually, though, by the book, the second or third or after uh, pregnancies and birth, usually are easier. Um, so. Doc, Dr. Laban, what percentage of your patients uh, opt for home birth? Uh, well, I mean, I, I have to say first, they come to me knowing that they want to yes. have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have an OB list for patients, and next to the ones that have a home birth, that I say home birth, and who's a midwife. Probably on the average, um, I, I average around um, 20 uh, deliveries a month. Um, maybe three of them, maybe home birth. Mm-hmm. My, I, well, I guess 20 of, of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe, yeah, three extra home birth on the average. On average, how many times a month do you actually have to uh, attend a home birth? You know, it, it's, 
funny that you mentioned it. Uh, there would be month and month I would not even have a transport, and then when one comes, <laughs> they usually come in a bus. <laughs> uh, before, like, I'm, I'm serious, though. Like, the last time we had a transport, we have like five in like oh. three days. Uh, and that was like th- maybe three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, the good thing is uh, all these uh, knock on wood, I mean, all these transfers are usually uh, not stressful. I mean, they're not emergency transfers. Most of my transfers are either um, a baby, um, uh, you know, the cervix stops uh, opening and, you know, the labor stalls. Um, or uh, some people have been in labor for a long time. They are tired. They just need some a nice epidural, nice bed to sleep on, some IV fluids, and then maybe some pitocin, and that you know have a baby. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, they never anticipated that that's gonna, they're going to have so much pain. So they. Uh, after so many, did they hours, think I'm, everybody was making that up? Or, I mean, it's not like a big secret, is it? Problem, yeah. so it varies a lot. Though. I mean, sometimes it's it, it's so different for every woman. Some, yeah, yeah some labors yeah. are definitely, without a doubt, more painful than others, and some women experience pain differently. It's important yeah. not to judge women in their pain. Everyone's just trying to do their best they can when they're having yeah. a baby in any setting. Yeah. Um, we were. We were wanting to talk about um, home birth transports yeah, a little bit. Because that word even sounds a little scary, like mm-hmm. transfer, transport. Yeah. Well, right. you know, it's – that's right. It does, I suppose. It's, a, it's actually a, a, a normal part of our work when it's – and it's a question that comes up a lot in initial consultations with prospective clients. And although for my, you know, for my practice and I think in my, my peers' practices have similar statistics, our overall transport rate for our practice is under 10%. But if you isolate out the first-time moms, and you know, referencing that question we got a little earlier, first-time moms will transport at a higher rate. They'll transport at a rate of about 15 to 20%. So if I have five first-time moms, you know, it, just by the law of averages, one of them is probably going to finish her birth in the hospital. And as Dr. Lebon said, it's exactly that. It's a long, long, non-progressive labor. And nobody, you know, nobody gives up on their home birth plan very easily. And it's not something that, you know, I pressure them into or it's something, it's a, it's a conclusion that we reluctantly draw that we, this is, everything's beautiful. Baby's in good shape. Mom's in good shape. But our wonderful midwifery tricks that often work to stimulate labor are, you know, not, not mm-hmm. quite the strength of what we need to, to override, you know, what we're dealing with. And the beautiful thing is most of those women are going to go ahead and they're still going to have vaginal births in the hospital. We're not going to go to the hospital and they're going to get some kind of quick, you know, quick cesarean section. Um, we really, really value Dr. Levon's patients and the kindness of the staff. It's, they get, you know, for the client, there's a set of fresh faces who are very hopeful for the prospects of this woman having, you know, what to the hospital staff is just an utterly normal birth. It's not what the family was planning, but it's still a good experience. And in retrospect, they can feel really good about it. And we really value that as we continue to do postpartum care, that they feel good about a birth that got more complicated than they hoped it would. But right, you don't want to start well. out your relationship with your child with a sense of failure. Right. Well, exactly. No, and that that would be so wrong. And and yeah. that doesn't. And sometimes that comes up in you know postpartum conversations. Mm-hmm. But again, the experience at Bloomington Hospital is so good that I don't have to spend a lot of time persuading people that they had a good experience. They're usually just all over it and happy about it. We have a phone call. Um, let's go to uh, – we'll get you in a minute. Go, go ahead, Dr. Lamont. No, it's fine. Oh, I was going to say uh, most of these uh, patients will end up with a vagin birth. Mm-hmm. All what they need is maybe an epidural, some IV fluids, mm-hmm. some pitocin, and then uh, that most of them will have a vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. In some situations, of course, I mean, there is a reason why – we had a failed home birth, and these patients will end up eventually with a C-section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just that That's happens. life, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the phones, and uh, Jane is on the line. Jane? Yes, hi there. Hi. Thank you. This is a great discussion. And uh, I was uh, I gave birth at the, for the first time at the age of 37 and the second time at the age of 41, and I had hospital births in both cases, um, luckily, or it was a great uh, aid to have a, a doula there with us through that, throughout that, as well as great hospital staff. Well, my question is, um, I have come to realize that giving birth at these ages is considered to be high risk in some, er- in some areas. Mm-hmm. So actually, we had vaginal births with no drugs. So my question is, for the um, midwives, um, since you, you, know, you try to 
um, assist women who have low risks. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have very many sort of older women or older moms like myself um, that you assist, or are you assisting mostly um, younger Yeah, and is there a cutoff age where you say, you know, really... Um, thanks. For, that's a, that's a great Sorry. question, Jane. Because we have you know we have more and more women who are having babies, including first babies in the second half of their thirties and in their early forties. I judge all cases really individually. And the thing about home birth that is important to always remember is that home birthers are a self-selecting group of people. They're motivated. They're thinking a lot about their health, and they're looking for somebody to kind of confirm you know their their sense of themselves as they go through their pregnancy. But a healthy woman who is at any age, really, and wants to plan a home birth, if I feel like she's taking responsibility properly for her own self-care, which is prenatal care is mostly what the woman gives herself. The rest of us can kind of watch it, monitor it, counsel around it, but it's really what she does that's going to matter the most. So I don't, I don't have cutoffs. And in some of our Amish families and our larger families, we're going to follow women into their 40s with their childbearing. And although technically and by the book, those can be riskier. I think with careful surveillance of the individual, you can make, you know, you can make choices. I don't have a lot of hard and fast rules other than just out and out, you know, pathological situations that aren't appropriate for home birth. So mm-hmm. sure, we would consider it. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks a lot, Jane. Thanks, Jane. And we have another call. It's Rosie. Rosie, go ahead. Hi. Hi. I had um, two planned home births and both ended up in a transfer to the hospital. And the, the first... The first situation, I did not, my midwife did not have a backup doctor, and it ended up being a really stressful and traumatic situation, and um, and kind of an emergency situation. And my second planned home birth was with Mary Helen, and my baby again decided to come early, and I had Dr. Laban as my backup with the second. And to have have that support for myself and for my midwife was incredible. And I just want to send all of my gratitude out to Dr. Laban and Mary Helen and the Bloomington Hospital for making my um, experience so much better than my first. And I was very afraid of the hospital. And as Dr. Laban probably remembers when they wheeled me in, um, but I just, I just send all of my love out to him for his support and for helping, helping make it a, an experience that I can smile about. <laughs> Thank you for your sweet words. Oh, that's so sweet, Rosie. I remember all of that really well. Thank all you, right. all of you, for what the work you're doing. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks for thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Um, it okay. does it does make a lot of sense. I mean, what what you're talking about, the scenario you're talking about, uh, Mary Helen, where there's a midwife, there's a backup mm-hmm. doctor. Um, it ju- it's, it just seems like it should be a, kind of a normal part of the process. Well, Doesn't we, it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yes, I agree. You know, it's funny. Ten years ago, as we watched the C-section rate climb and we watched more and more women electing to have scheduled births, scheduled inductions, um, scheduling repeat cesareans, even though we know labor is good for babies, even if you're going to end with a planned C-section, it's great to go into Why is labor. labor good for babies? I didn't know that. Um, babies have a role to play in initiating labor. So a baby being born when it's actually ready to be born is a baby that's going to be a lot easier to mother and parent gotcha. in the world. So for, for that reason. The physiologic and hormonal process of labor prepares them for being... Out mm-hmm. as okay. well, so they're but, more ready to be. But I was going to say, 10 years ago, I would go to you know Indiana Midwife Association meetings, and we would wonder, are we even going to be here in 10 or 20 more years? What's going to happen? Are we going to just have a, this complete machine model of childbearing and just what's going to happen to home birth? And now here we are, you know, kind of... It's not surprising to us in the sense of, you know, we love home birth, we get it, we... it it. it is a common option in many countries in Europe, and it's of course the oldest way in the world to have a baby. So it's so it's kind of gratifying to see that it's it's a thriving minority practice. I mean, we're lucky to get to be a part of it. And to the contrary of declining, it's and the C-section and it's going up, and C-section rates going up, which is driving the rising home birth yeah. rate. So if there and as Dr. Lebon, you know, mentioned, I mean, there there are physicians who will you know, on an emotional level, feel okay about home births, you know, maybe nervous, but okay. And they might be more willing to collaborate when the laws get better. And then there's are those who 
absolutely opposed and, and aren't going to have anything to do with it. But if those ones are so opposed, if they would work to get their C-section rate down, they'd get more patients back into the hospital. Mm. Here's a question that came in from one of the listeners. It says, there seems to be a total disregard for the law. Is there no realistic <laughs> chance for prosecution? Yeah, there's a realistic chance for prosecution, but and I don't like the laws of our state, but the laws are what are flawed here, and we're working, and we've worked openly to change them. I mean, I suppose... I suppose you could describe our being as open as we are about it as a form of civil disobedience. I mean, I am willing to be out here and, you know, with my name, and it's a little it's a little nerve-wracking. I think we've gotten kind of comfortable in Bloomington around home birth, but I'd really like to see the law changes. I don't think prosecuting mm-hmm. midwives is a way to make birth safer, make home birth mm-hmm. safer. I think if the if we could pass a basic, basic licensure law for certified professional midwives, we could increase consumer protection and safety around home birth and have a, a law that, that would more comply to just ordinary human activity around birth, right. which is one of our oldest. Mm-hmm. You know. I assume there are no laws regarding doulas as far as restrictions, mm-hmm. except that you can't right. actually deliver. Right. There, yeah. I mean, that's, and I don't even think that's regulated because no one would expect us to because yeah. we don't do clinical. That's not your thing, mm-hmm. yeah. I do, I want to be clear, though, that home birth is not illegal. Home birth, exactly. birth, birth location is not regulated at all. Home birth is legal in all 50 states, blah, blah, blah. But that's what I mean. A lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. So parents are not taking any risk mm-hmm. by choosing a home. They're not doing anything illegal by having their babies at home. It's, it's who attends. Home. Right now, right now, there is not a licensure law or certification program that the state runs for out-of-hospital midwives like myself. Certified professional midwives who are the only midwives who are trained for out-of-hospital birth are unregulated in our state. Mm-hmm. And it's a Class D felony to practice midwifery without a license. That's just what it says on the books. Hopefully do you, we'll change do that patients soon. have to sign a waiver for uh, the midwife to protect the midwife from a lawsuit? No, I don't have anybody sign anything other than an informed disclosure statement, which I clearly state what the law is. I also give them contact information for consumer complaints to the Indiana Midwives Association so that if they have any problem with anything I do, they can take it to you know my professional peer organization and... That's how we handle that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Lebanon. Oh, I was going to say, talking about legal legal part is I've always practiced uh, uh, pure medicine. I've never uh, ha- felt like I needed to put like a lawyer next to me when I practice mm-hmm. my medicine. Um, I know uh, it, it's much better. It's the best to have a backup for these patients. That's what's good for them. That's what I do. Uh, um, I still uh, do what we talked about, the C-section rate. Um, I try to keep my C-section rate low. I, I still uh, do uh, stuff that uh, I was trained with years ago uh, um, in order to be able to, to, uh, to lower my C-section rate. I try to put forth, uh, to apply forceps in situations where I feel like that's going to save the woman from ending up with a C-section. Mary Helen always mentioned that uh, funny story about uh, uh, calling me on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was Kroger with my family. And then what she she said, oh, it's a breach. So um, came right away and uh, we had a nice vaginal breach delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's something that makes you happy uh, inside out that you were able to help somebody from yeah, having And that was a, at a home. No, no, no. We met at the hospital. And you had the breach oh, yes. at the hospital. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. That reminds me, you asked a question earlier that I should clarify. Dr. Lebon does not come to home birth. Okay, if we need good. Dr. Lebon, we bring the patient to him. Okay. Just, just okay. You asked at him, the like, hospital. how many times? You, yeah, uh, yeah, at the hospital. Yeah, delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my home. Yeah. I don't think my wife we go, we, that. we go over to his house. <laughs> which leads us to another question that came in, which was, in a home birth, how do you deal with the mess? Oh. The water, the blood, all of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, we just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> um, our, all the dogs. Our, yeah, that's always helpful. Um, our our clients order a home birth supply kit that in, you know includes the kinds of things that are going to allow us to clean the mess up really quickly, really easy, easily. We have some drop cloths that we use. We have a lot of absorbent pads. The birth winds up. All the birth mess is in a garbage bag five minutes after the mom is off the birth stool or onto the couch with her baby, and it's all kind of gone. This is, I, you know. I don't write a, the question. Yeah, I know. I no, 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 no. It's a question. Yeah. <laughs> no, all all the time. Awesome. How much does it cost? I, I'm or yeah. the birth the, kit? No, I mean the kit. The kit. The kit's about a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's not bad. No, it's one cheap. of our uh, uh, 
folks in the peanut gallery, the control room, suggested that's what the the father is for. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, is that a father's Clean question? Up, because you know, that's that's not usually the bir- the pregnant woman's question. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's go to the phones real quick before we get back to okay, Mary Catherine's sure. questions. Rich is on the phone. Rich. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi. I was interested in the conversation about laws and regulations and how they impact your business. What about insurance, liability insurance or malpractice insurance? Is any of that available to you? I sub- you're asking me, the midwife, I understand, I assume. Um, no, I don't have liability insurance. I think when we pass this law, um, provision for the possibility of our getting liability insurance is going to be a part of that. I may be mistaken, but that's I know that's uh, been discussed in the past. Um, I have to say, Rich, this this may sound like it's it's so left field, but... You know, I do like three births a month. I form a pretty deep and personal relationship with the people that who hire me, and I do not worry about getting sued. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I, I'm really speaking to the nature of the midwife-client relationship. Um, it's, you know, and, and what liability issues have done to the practice of, of medicine and just the delivery of health care has not been a real good thing. And it's a it's honestly it's kind of a luxury to not have to participate on that level. So that's my answer for now. You know, we're going to we're going to follow up with mm-hmm. another caller, Michael, who is a lawyer uh-huh. who has represented midwives. So. I know this guy. Michael, go ahead, please. <laughs> Yeah, hi. I don't want to end the show on uh, talking about the law because there are too many other good stories. Oh, we've got other questions. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I just want to say that, um, you know, I've represented a number number of midwives in a number of situations, and uh, the the law needs to be changed because it is a mess. It it is not nearly as clear as Mary Helen was saying. Mm. And... I may be the world expert on Indiana midwifery law, <laughs> which true. is a very narrow specialty, but that also means I know nothing because the, the law is such a mess. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like an issue for the General Assembly if they can uh, stay on, stay I mean, on task. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can, they can pass one house but not the other. Yeah. Mm. Do you, I bet I can guess how that went. Who, who carries the the uh, the bill? Who writes the bills for you? I mean, do you, who are the friendly legislators that you usually work with? It's you know, it's terrible. I'm not really the person to okay. to answer that right now. We are we're working in Senator Patricia Miller's you know health committee. That's that's the committee in which the bills being worked and um, uh, discussions with her are probably the most important thing that are happening. Okay. with our bill. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot for the call. Yeah, thanks for calling. Sure. Do appreciate it. You've got lots of questions here. I do. Okay. Uh, here we go. Can you discuss the difference between nurse midwifery and midwifery? Sure. You want me to do that? <laughs> um, certified nurse midwives are nurses who have an advanced degree in midwifery. Um, and midwives like myself who are trained in th- the more who come into midwifery through the more traditional routes have entered it in by various means. There are states, although Indiana isn't one of them largely because of our laws. There are states where there are midwifery programs, midwifery schools. There are at-a-distance midwifery programs in other states that some Indiana midwives have have used. Uh, The very old-fashioned route into midwifery and into a lot of hands-on trades of apprenticeship Mm -hmm. is how I trained. And I'm actually a real strong advocate of hands-on from the beginning because when you, you know, we've, those of us who were, we were all starry-eyed beginners at some point in midwifery, and you need some real experience, and that sorts you out really, really quickly. Um, so knowing if you are a person who can be at birth, who can be calm at birth, who can be calm in a crisis, who is somebody that laboring women like being around, that's as important as being able to, you know, pass, ex- pass tests and so forth. Now, with apprenticeship, there's got to be a way to Verify that somebody who's entered in that route has has knows everything she needs to know hasn't inherited um, bad information you know through coming down through the chain and this is where the certified professional midwifery credential is so important it was developed you know in the in the early nineties by the North American Registry of Midwives and Midwives Alliance of North America professional midwives who've been practicing for a long time came up through you know through a lot of blood sweat and tears with a list of the requirements and for us and so those of us who have entered midwifery as home birth midwives direct we're direct entry midwives we have not come in through nursing or through the medical mm-hmm. system our training is purely in the midwifery model of care with its emphasis on the physiological processes and keeping birth normal 
we've had to undergo extensive testing to demonstrate that we do, mm-hmm. you know, we know what we need to know. And then there's ongoing, there's ongoing requirements for continuing education and vetting. Okay, let's try to get this one more question in. Mm-hmm. Two, minutes. Um, two minutes. Why should I have a doula if I have my partner with me? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> you and your partner both need a doula. <laughs> um, what a, do- a doula is someone who is experienced and informed about childbirth in sort of a broad sense. And so for somebody who's having their first baby, second, maybe third baby, I mean, you have only done this a handful of times, if at all, before. And a doula has been around a lot of different births, had training, and is able to sort of come to the birth with that perspective and usually with information about your birth location, care providers, all of that, and provide support to the mom and her partner Mm -hmm. as a team so that the partner can just completely focus on the mom Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. their relationship. They have the emotional connection, and that's the thing that the doula doesn't have is, um, is that the partnership that the mom and her partner have. So the doula is really there for both. Um, research shows that women feel better supported by their partners when they have doulas because mm-hmm. the doula is there to sort of help the partner. Mm-hmm. Well, you have that support. moment, I mean, when you're in labor where once in a while you look at each other like, oh, I don't know, what do you right. think? You know, yeah. and, and you don't know. So to have yeah. someone yeah. Uh, who's really just devoted to answering right. those questions and yeah. has, as you say, brings that those years and, and many, many experiences right. to the table. And they're the person remembering all the stuff from childbirth class. Mm-hmm. So you can just yeah. be in labor and <laughs> yeah. support your woman. And Yeah, I think it'd be hugely helpful to the partner. Yeah. And to the physician, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. We are out of time. It's been a great show. It's going very quickly. I want to thank uh, all three of you for being here. Molly, Molly Mendota, thanks for being here. Mary Helen, thanks for coming back. Thanks. We'll have you again, I'm sure. It's always fun. Dr. John Laban, thanks for being here as well. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer uh, Dan Goldblatt, who's back in the studio today, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933, online at mypremierortho.com.